Hi, I'm Philip. And I'm Ruth. And today we're bringing you Appleseed's first radio story. This isn't a project update or a request to help us out. It's just a story we hope you'll find interesting. My mom used to always remind me to finish everything on my plate and not take my meals for granted because there are people less fortunate out there who don't have enough to eat. Sometimes I try to imagine what life might be like for these people. Sounded pretty uncomfortable. But what did I know? Well, now with Appleseed, we're working to improve child nutrition by going into developing communities, and to do that, nutrition has to be considered in the broader context of poverty and hunger. Because for someone to even consider eating healthier, they have to first have enough to eat. Hunger, it's a real thing. Today, in the first episode of Appleseed Radio, we have a story about hunger and what three friends went through when confronted with it face-to-face for the first time in their lives. It's a story about the unexpected feelings and tensions that can arise, and what people will eat and consider eating in the face of hunger. We hope you like it, and do let us know what you think. Ever since I was a kid, I always felt like things would be more fun or interesting if there was some element of danger. Ruth, she finds this annoying, but I think she secretly likes it too. And maybe that's why you've always daydreamed about the Lost Coast. It's a place that she and I have always told people about, even though we had never been there ourselves. We tell them how there's this place so remote, it was called the Lost Coast. And it was so rugged that there are no roads going through it. Even the legendary Pacific Coast Highway, which starts in, I think, San Diego, and goes all the way up the coast past San Francisco, Well, it ends before reaching the Lost Coast. So the only way to see it is if you park your car on one end, get someone to drop you off 25 miles away on the other end, and you can get there on foot. It's always cool to see people's eyes light up to hear that there's this wild place left in California. The first time that we drove through, it seemed like this dream that would never happen because at the time, we had never been backpacking. I hated hiking. still kind of hate hiking. But it was kind of in the back of our minds, the one thing in California that we hadn't done yet that we really wanted to do. So we decided to do it. So as we got closer to leaving California, we invited our good friend Adam. My name is Adam Dreyer. Who we also call Good Buddy. Note, different Adam from Adam Quinn, co-founder of Appleseed. And of course, our dog, Gravy, he is invited too. So the real dangers of the Lost Coast include areas that are completely impassable during high tide. Um, I mean, people get washed away every year. There's bears and cliffs, and basically you got to think through it and prepare. This wasn't our first rodeo. Uh, We knew the drill. We mapped out the route. We memorized all the tide charts. We packed light. So on past trips, for food, I'd plan and assemble each and every meal really carefully. I'm the cook in the family, so I love preparing good, delicious meals for Ruth to enjoy. But this time we were short on time, so we picked up some of those prepackaged, dehydrated camping meals at REI. You know, the ones that come in aluminum packets and you just have to add hot water. They're sort of like astronaut food. We got our food, you know, we went through the checklist, 
got everything done. And then finally, we started hiking the first day. We marched out into the sand. It was amazing to be out there. It felt really free. Just knowing that the only way out was to walk out ourselves was kind of exciting. It was that sense of adventure, you know? We were hiking out. It was super windy. Uh, we were getting blown back by the wind. The sand was in our faces, but eventually we got through that and we got settled in, set up camp for our first night. We found this beautiful place to camp the first night. You're right on the ledge overlooking the ocean. There's nobody around. It's kind of this grassy meadow. And we were really excited to eat dinner because we hadn't really eaten a real meal all day. So we got our food out of the bear cans because everything had to be in bear cans because we were in bear country. We had pad thai, we had macaroni and cheese, and we had chili mac. We had decided first night we're going to do chili mac. I was getting out the chili mac and I noticed we only have two bags. Two bags for three people. Hmm. Okay, this must be wrong. There must be something else. Looked through, didn't find more food. So I asked Adam and Philip, Dude, what's going on? How can we only have two bags of food? And so I started looking at the other meals. The mac and cheese meal. The um, pad thai meal. For each meal, we only had two packages of food for three people and then it started sinking in oh no there's not enough food there's not enough food to go around uh holy we don't really have enough food so we started thinking back like how did this happen this is what happened the labels on those prepackaged meals each one said they contained three or four servings so a couple packets that's six or seven servings more than enough food right for the three of us, what we failed to recognize was that a serving is not a serving. Um, everyone knows this, that you know servings aren't servings. Like, even kids know this when they look at nutrition facts on the back of cereal boxes. I mean, everyone knows that whoever wrote those nutrition facts are just stupid liars. Um, but I guess in this case, Adam and I were the stupid ones because we were the ones who who decided on the food for the trip. Well, the guy at REI was telling us, you know, oh, I can't even eat one of these things by myself. So so we only ended up buying basically two packages for three people per meal, which wasn't really enough. They had been tricked by the REI guy to pack less food to save weight. We ended up calculating we probably had about 1,500 calories per day. And we were probably expending somewhere between three and 4,000 hiking, you know, up to nine miles with a 40-pound pack. That first night, we kind of had this moment of, holy crap, we screwed up. Is this it? Do we have to go back? Do we have enough food to make it? Because it's a 25-mile hike. And after day one, we were only about four miles in. So. 21 miles left over three days. That's kind of a long ways to go. We decided to go for it. We decided to push through because our reasoning was, or at least my reasoning was, well, people can starve and fast for three days and be fine. So why can't we do it? 
Luckily, Adam, we made fun of him before the trip for bringing stuff called Soylent. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it, but that stuff is nasty. And luckily, I had packed some Soylent, uh, which is kind of this powdered, just add water, um, really dense calorie uh, food, I guess. But it, it, like I said, it's just a powder. I'm still not really sure what Soylent is. It's like waffle powder, waffle batter powder or something. And I mean, it's this engineered powder that has like all these nutrients, but Ugh, it was awful. It just was, it made me want to gag. But luckily I had packed that. We were planning on not even touching that, but it ended up, we ate it with every meal. I was playing and complaining at the same time. I knew I had to have it. If I didn't eat this stuff, I was going to miss out on about 200 calories a day. So luckily we had that. It just came out in big gloops and glops and you just had to down it. Ugh, just thinking about it makes me sick. That was kind of the saving grace, was that we had that package of Soylent, which was like an extra 2,000 calories. So, Thankfully, he brought that. By the end of the meal, we literally cut open these bags, and I was licking all the, the goop in like every last calorie, you know, licking the bowl clean, licking the spoon. Good to the last glop. So the second day was a big day, 9 or 10 miles to get to the next spot. It was beautiful. There was wildlife everywhere. At the end of the day, Ruth was in charge of making food. Adam and I went out to gather firewood. Ruth was going to make mac and cheese. We were looking forward to it all day. We knew we didn't have much, but we had a couple packets. Looking forward to the meal. We come back and we find Ruth scrambling, just frantically like picking stuff up off the floor. She'd spilled the macaroni into the sand. Ugh. What happened was, as I was filling up the second bag with water, the first bag spilled. Like, half of our food spilled onto the ground. And I panicked. I didn't even think. And I just, like, shoveled all the food back into the bag as quickly as I could, just to save as much as I could. Thinking, this is the food I've been waiting for all day. We need this. And scooped as much as I could into the bag closed up both bags and just kind of sat there like what have I done everyone got upset and Ruth was apologetic I mean it was a total accident they're obviously not excited that I spilled half the food in my moment of panic saving the food the five second rule or whatever I did get most of it we ended up eating all that macaroni and just kind of chomping the dirt and you get that kind of grindy, gritty feel in your teeth, but you just <laughs> eat it anyway and you hope it's all going to be okay. What was the most upsetting about that meal wasn't that there was dirt in the food. It was that after we ate, we were so hungry. It was not satisfying at all. Basically, it was like just really cheesy soup, and it felt like we had no substance, and we had nothing else to eat. That was it. I remember downing it in like four delicious bites, looking down at my bowl empty and thinking, is this it? This is all I have today. I felt mad. Not, no one in particular, uh, just mad and 
really disappointed. This is the first time in my life I've ever felt that desperation, which I should be thankful for. So thanks, Mom and Dad. It was this really basic feeling. Uh, Rationally, I knew there was plenty of fresh water around, and in a few days we'd be out of there as long as no one got hurt. I mean, we are in one of the most beautiful places on Earth, having a great time. But just knowing that we needed energy each day to hike, climb through rocks and sand, and, and that we'd be going to sleep hungry, that, you know, I'd brought my family and my best friend all the way out there, and there's nothing I could do about it. That made me pretty upset. We're definitely counting calories for the rest of our trip. I've never really understood what the meaning of 500 calories is or 250 calories. But after, you know, realizing we didn't really have enough food, I started to get really in tune to what 200 calories was and what that meant. We each had our little stash of cliff bars and nuts. Usually, someone takes out a snack, offers everybody some of that snack, but not so for the rest of this trip. We literally would count the number of nuts that we would eat and put our bag of nuts away and save it for the next time. I can remember a couple of times where, like, for instance, Ruth had some chocolate that she had brought, and I kind of felt some tension because, um, like, I wanted her to share that chocolate with, with me and with the group. But, you know, she had kind of brought it on her own. And so was she going to share that chocolate or was that um, her chocolate, right? Everyone was hungry. Philip and Adam were definitely more hungry than I was, I think, just because they're bigger and probably need more food than I do. And I was struggling. Like, I was hungry, too. And I knew it probably wasn't fair that I was eating the same amount as they were when I'm smaller but then it wouldn't really be fair to not eat as much either because I'm still a person that deserves to eat food and so it was it was hard like on the third day we had come to terms with it yet every time we saw wildlife we just dreamed about eating it We saw some birds, we saw some turkeys, we saw some deer. Gravy went off trying to chase down the deer. Of course, he couldn't catch them. Phil and I went off trying to hunt some turkeys. They ran off before we could even really get close enough to spear them or throw a rock at them, which is what our hunting methods were, was literally throwing rocks and sharpening a stick and throwing that as a spear. If we could kill a rabbit or some kind of small game, we would eat like kings and all of our food worries would be gone. At one point, we came over this ridge and saw this big wild hare in the distance, huge ears. An animal we legitimately had a shot at catching. Because I remember when I was a kid, my friends Scott and Harrison and I, the three of us, we were able to corner and catch this rabbit with our bare hands in a field. I think we kept it as a pet for a day and released it, but I knew it was possible. Right away, good buddy and I, we went straight into hunting mode. Uh, Ruth wasn't going to be helpful, so we need Gravy to be our third. So Gravy, he's an Ibizan hound, he's bred to hunt rabbit. A born rabbit hunter. This is the first time in his life to actually have this opportunity where I would let him hunt and 
kill a rabbit. We needed to eat it. He had a chance to fulfill his destiny. So I called him. We were on the hunt, and I whistled for him, but he didn't come. Unfortunately, Gravy, he had kind of hurt his feet a little bit chasing a deer, and he was worn out, so he was nowhere to be found at the time we needed him most. We could have gotten the rabbits, but with just two of us, we couldn't really corner it. So, alas, the rabbit got away. We started to kind of understand what it's like, you know, what it would be like to be hungry. Food quickly becomes the most important thing. When you're hungry, that's all you can think about is the fact that you're hungry and trying to figure out how to get more food. It's all-consuming. Gravy never was hungry. He had plenty of dog food. Maybe that's why he didn't come. No sense of urgency. Yeah, there were a few times we thought about eating his food. So day four, we knew we'd be okay. We had soylent powder left over. Food from the future, powdered calories. And we knew we were hiking out that day, so we'd have the chance, you know, we'd be back in civilization. We could get dinner somewhere. But it just so happened we caught up to a couple of people, an older man and a little bit younger lady. They were naturalists from, I think, the Carolinas, somewhere on the East Coast. They were naturalists from North Carolina or somewhere. And out of the blue, the lady offered me and Adam a giant bag of M&Ms and peanuts. Of course we accepted, and uh, we just chowed down. We were like hungry little orphans, the way we pounced on and said yes and we just started gobbling it all up i mean i didn't care what we were eating it tasted so good i probably ate easily like a thousand calories of of peanuts and peanut m&ms right there on the spot and we just happened to be right next to this stream flowing down and so we filled up our water and it was just like we had a feast we finally had a surplus an abundance of food it was okay Life was good, and we had met these friends, and they were, you know, had given us the food, and we were chatting with them. I don't know. It was nice. It was really nice of them to share that food with us, and we definitely appreciated it. We ended up hiking out that day. We went to dinner uh, at a real restaurant, and, man, that was really crazy to get some protein. We got fish and vegetables, and as soon as we started eating, you know, really, like, as soon as the food kind of hit my stomach, I felt this rush of chemicals to my brain. For me, I understand it as my body's rewarding me for giving it the sustenance it wanted, like it wanted some protein. So eating that fish really made me feel good. It's kind of like a thank you. You know, your body's saying thank you for giving me what I need. So yeah, it was an interesting trip and I definitely lost a good five or six pounds. In a sense, it's good. Nice to lose some extra weight. But uh, yeah, definitely would have preferred to have a big hot bowl of chili at the end of the day and just more food than you need, you know. Always would be the way to go. Okay, so we know that those few days of relative hunger that we experienced in our little accidental experiment is not at all the same as actually being hungry and not knowing where your next meal is coming from. We had the luxuries of knowing exactly when it would end, and we could head straight to a restaurant afterwards, which we did. We never were truly desperate, and we still can't imagine what it's really like. 
but we did get a small glimpse, and let me tell you, hunger, it's a real thing. To see photos of me, Ruth, Adam, and Gravy on the beautiful Lost Coast of California, just visit my Facebook page where I've posted an album. The link can be found in the show notes on your computer or mobile device. Thanks so much to good buddy Adam Dreyer for his account of the story, and to Mrs. Mooncatcher, Erica Magarefta, for her help editing. Thanks also to our founding sponsors who, with their generosity, are funding our next project in Guatemala. This is our first time trying our hand at producing a radio story. If you liked it and think we should do more, please let us know. Or, if you have your own story about hunger, we'd love to hear that too. If we do end up producing more stories and you want to hear them, subscribe to Appleseed Radio through iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon!